Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So, um, your reading assignment, if you have the first handout from the other night, if you have, if you look at that, this is the one that says Global River Church Ministry Team Training, Equipping the Saints for the Work of Ministry. Uh, there's a list of required reading. If you'll turn to that and open it, um, if you will do what's on this sheet and you'll follow along, I, I guarantee you within seven weeks from now, you are going to be well-equipped to handle some things that maybe um, you've had some difficulty in the past with as far as spiritual darkness, understanding truth. But you got to do the reading. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands how many read the book of Ephesians this week. No, I didn't, don't show hands, but, um, but let me encourage you to do the reading requirements. If you do it, now I realize it's, it's, it's a burden to do all that, but um, just turn off the coronavirus news and go focus on doing this kind of stuff, right? All right. Um, we also, you want to start reading. You'll see the reading assignment here. We're going to take the ministry manual. You'll notice if you open the first, turn to page, the first open the page where it says modules. We've broken this down. We're going we're gonna to cover some tonight, the team protocol, prayer guidelines. We may get to the salvation model, but then next week we'll get into the healing and deliverance basis biblically. Some of you may come from backgrounds that this is new to you. I guarantee you, biblically, uh, these, we're going to go out. If it's not in the Bible, then, then there's, a, there's a reason to be concerned. So we try to base everything biblically. We know what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. The Word of God is, is able to equip us for every good work. It tells us the truth, right? And so uh, then we're going to get into the healing model. We'll get into the things that hinder healing. Then we're going to drill down and look at curses. We'll get into deliverance, and we should finish on prophecy. Uh, what is prophecy? So, but I wanted to start tonight. Um, we may or may not get to if, if um, first of all, if there's any fear stuff going on. Like, I know I shared last week about Lester Summerall's. We actually looked at a probably the most detailed deliverance. Uh, accounted by in the newspapers over a period of time. Uh, Pastor Semerol, he's in heaven right now, but we went through the deliverance that showed the actual title in the, in the newspaper was Bitten by Demons, and we went through the details of that. And I want to ask some of you who were here last week to tell me what you think the takeaways on that will be or were, and we'll look at that because when you start to see the pattern of that, um, and then, if we have time tonight, we get to it. I'm going to show a 37-minute video either this week or next week. John Ramirez, if you've not read his book, um, but uh, Nikki Cruz does a forward on it. There's a really amazing study. He was a Satanist and uh, got saved, but he, was, um, he tells us how the Satanists go out to kill Christians and destroy their families and destroy their churches. And so it's kind of neat that you got a, a guy that's come out of that. I, the, it's not for the weak at heart. So if you're nervous about that, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? Power, love, and a sound mind. And so, 
But uh, we're going we're gonna to drill down on some of these things, and we're going to look at some things the way the enemy operates. He doesn't play fair. He's, um, let me start with this. What is the job description of the devil? Steal, kill, and destroy. Where is it located? John 10.10. 10. What's Jesus' job description? Ah, to give life in all of its fullness and abundance, right? John 10.10. So, right there, uh, Jesus is dealing with that, gives the job description of what the devil has done and what Jesus has come to do. Um, In 1 John 3.8, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, right? John 14.12 says, greater works shall you do because I go to the Father, right? So, basically, go and do likewise, go do more, right, of what I've done. And so, Scripturally, um, when we look at these biblical basis of what we're called to do, we want to uh, identify what it is our role is. And so, let me ask you to fill in this this statement. Life is a story of love and war. That's kind of simple. I'm a simple guy, but life is a story of love and war, right? Boil it down, God is good and the devil's bad, right? We are commissioned. Give me a scripture in the Great Commission. Where would I find that biblically? Mark, what, what chapter? 16. Mark 16. What does it say? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. All right. Okay, these signs. What are the signs? What's the first? All right, you break out your sword. I'm getting some funny looks here. Turn with me to Mark 16. This is the Great Commission. You are a warrior. You are a sword-carrying fighter for the kingdom. And you need to know this one. So in Mark 16, all right. Mark 16, and let's look at verse, let's start in in verse 15. This is the great commission. I've said this before. It's not the great suggestion, right? And so, Jesus has been resurrected. He now meets with the team. 500 eyewitnesses see him alive at one time. The apostles all see him, and he gives them this statement, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. Verse 16, Anyone who believes is, and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs accompany those who believe. Look at the first one. They will cast out demons in my name. Again, I don't want to see a show of hands, but if you've never cast a demon out, you might ask why. I hear music. Okay. Um, Anyone who believes will be baptized, signs following. Cast out demons, they'll speak with new languages, they'll be able to handle snakes with safety, drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. I shared last week about our missionaries, there have been attempted poisonings. In fact, our pastor's wife in Nepal was poisoned for being a Christian. And her family got sick, she got sick, but they recovered, should have killed them. And so this statement says, they may try. Kent Bowell will tell you, our missionary to Mozambique, when they sent him poisonous food, didn't affect him at all. And so, you'll be able, we don't tempt the Lord, we don't bring snakes in and see about all that, right? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, right? Him only shall you serve. But, and so, but we do see here that we don't fear what the enemy can do. 
Then it says they'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they'll recover. So one of your requirements as a believer, if you are a believer sitting in this room, those should be points of your resume. And if they're not, which is where I told you when I was first starting my first year as a pastor, it wasn't in my resume. I believed, but here I am, and that's when I said, I got to do something different. I, I didn't resign from General Electric and do this, right, to, to not see that happen. Okay, so when we look at Mark 16, what was another great commission verse that Jesus gave? That's what I'm thinking about, but great commission. Matthew where? Matthew 28. Turn to it. What does it say? Matthew 28 is the same thing. It's Matthew's version, the tax collector saved by grace. And this is after the resurrection. He says, let's pick up in verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all. You might want to underline. Somebody told me last week they don't like to write in their Bible. I don't feel that way. I got it all over the place, right? Because it's, I can tell you it's on the right side of that page that I've got notes and great things that came out, the Greek this, that. This is, this is your, what did Doug say? Doug said this is your B-I-B-L-E, your basic instruction before leaving earth book. So make sure you know what's in here. Okay, Jesus came, verse 18, Matthew 28, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the age. End of the world, King James says. All right, so let me ask you, let's turn, I want to, I'm going to move rapidly through the book of Ephesians, but let me tell you why we're doing this. The reason I wanted you to start in reading the book of Ephesians, it is probably the best overall identity book. Who are you? Who is he? And so if you didn't read it this past week, read it this week. Meditate on it. Take a chapter a day and just six chapters. Meditate. You want to get it because you can't um, think of it this way. If you don't know who you are and your identity, then how can you fight the enemy? By whose authority? In fact, we shared last week, remember in Mark's gospel chapter 9, Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. He's up there, the Father speaks, Elijah comes, Moses speaks. They declare Jesus' identity, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him, comes off the mountain. The nine others who didn't get to go on the upper trip, right? They're down there in the mountain in the, in the valley and the Father had brought a demonized son to them and they, he, they went to cast out the demon and he, they could not. Jesus' response is not happy. It's probably one of the most... Um, difficult statements he makes to his disciples. You faithless and perverse generation, how long do I have to put up with you? You're faithless. You can't cast this. I, I gave you power and authority. I gave it to you. Go heal the sick, cast out demons, and you're not doing it. I'm not happy. Amen. Right? And it says, bring the boy to me. He manifests, foams at the mouth, falls down. You can read this in, in Mark 9. And Jesus, after the deliverance, says they're back at the house and the boys come and say, 
So why couldn't we do that? And Jesus' response is interesting. This kind, which means there's different kinds, this kind goes out by prayer and fasting. And two of the Gospels say prayer. The others, so there's sometimes, depending on the level of that darkness, and we don't know the, how the boy got there generationally, but we know that there's different levels of darkness. Where would you find in Ephesians the discussion of the different levels of darkness? What chapter? Matthew, um, Ephesians 6, right? Let's turn there for a moment. Turn to Ephesians. I know this is Bible roulette here, right? We're running. But you need to know your word. You get familiar with it. And I remembered when I had never opened it, really. <laughs> and now I love it. And so Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to see, let's pick up in verse 10. A final word. Now, this is Paul to the church at Ephesus. They are in revival. Paul has got Timothy, his spiritual son, is the senior pastor of the church at Ephesus. It's in revival. And that's why you'll notice how he writes to the book at Ephesus is totally different than when he writes to Philippi or he writes to uh, Corinthians. Corinthians was the, the church that had a lot of bad boys and girls in it doing their stuff, right? And uh, he writes to them differently as a father rebukes them. But here he's, he says a final word, verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. Wow. Put on all the armor that you will be able, you're able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. See, he has strategies against your family, your business, your church, your city, your nation, right? He has strategies. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on all the armor that you'll be able to resist the enemy in a time of evil. Therefore, after the battle, you'll still be standing. Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth, the body armor of righteousness, shoes of peace, the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Hold up the shield of faith for the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation helmet and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. I would suggest... You ask for the gift of tongues, and you start speaking regularly, especially now with all that's going on, right? Pray on every occasion and by the Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, so we see in Ephesians 6 this war. But now let's turn back to chapter 1 of Ephesians, and let me ask, you will see that your role and your responsibility and your authority are in this book. You might want to go through it and just mark up where it says, wow, wow, that's true. The blood of Jesus answers it. When you start to see your role, knowing who you are and knowing whose you are gives you the authority so when you come up against something dark, you don't go in there as the little boy or girl in the flesh. 
you got the whole backing of heaven because I'm seated in a heavenly realm. He has given me full power and authority. Jesus got the keys back, right? He went down during that three days in the earth, got the keys back. That's why he is the one who was dead and is now alive, and I have the keys of both hell and of death. And so he says, this is who I am. Now you go and represent me and do greater works. Once you, I'm getting electrified right now. He likes it. So what I'm encouraging us to do is know who you are are and whose you are. That one will change the way you view life and you'll view eternity and you'll view what I need to do now, right? And so once you get that settled, you realize he is my papa. He is, I'm in the family. He says he knows me by name. All right, so when we understand that, chapter 1, some of the takeaways, look at verse 3. I, I'm going to use New Living Translation, but I have the King James here as well. I just let, it reads better in the New Living. And so, when you have a larger audience. Verse 3, he gives us every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Verse 5, you've been adopted into the family. In the religious custom, I'm told, once adopted, you have greater authority in the family that you can never be separated as a biological child can. Isn't that wild? So, you've, you've got greater, res, um, res, I don't know what, anchor points, I guess, in the family, right, as an adopted child, and you've been adopted. Well, why? Because in verse 7, he purchased your freedom with his blood. The blood drives the devil absolutely crazy. We were doing a deliverance uh, a couple of weeks ago from a lady from another church, and uh, Deanna and I, she started speaking in Spanish, because <laughs> when she goes to war, she goes in Spanish, right? And the demon turns and says, I hate when you do Spanish. And I'm saying, good. Well, you know, the blood of Jesus, I hate the blood of Jesus, good. The demons are so dumb, sometimes they just tell you what they hate, and then we do it more, right? And so, they hate the blood. And so, we have been redeemed by the blood, purchased. Every day I would encourage you, get up and when you pray in the morning, I plead the blood of Jesus over me right now. Why? Because in Revelation 12, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We make these declarations. So the blood is powerful and it drives the devil absolutely bonkers. Verse 10, we are all under Christ's authority. Hallelujah. Everything, everything is under Christ's authority. So when the devil tries to intimidate, we'll see that. We saw that from here, right? When we heard of Lester Summerall, the devil, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill you, right? No, you're not. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that one told to us. And so all under Christ's authority, everything in heaven and earth, he is the strongest of all the strong men, right? Verse 13, you are seated by, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are marked. If you're a believer, you are marked. The devils know who you are, right? That's why when you go to the grocery store, sometimes, I'm just buying bread, you know, leave me alone. I'm off to the clock. No, you're not. Anyway, so, so remember when Jesus walked in the sanctuary, right, before he had revealed who he was? Jesus, the most high God, have you come here before our time to torment us? Shh, be quiet, quiet. Wasn't time, right? They knew who he was. He was marked. He's not the little shepherd boy who makes furniture. No, he's Jesus, right? All right, verse 23, his incredible power 
is in the church. The fullness. Isn't that something? You're going to see this as a theme. It's also in chapter 3 under verse 10. As the church, he's going to use the church to display his glory. And so the church is his body, his bride. He's, there's so many different parts of the language of that. Our chapter 2, verse 1, you were once dead. And now, is it warm in here? No, yes? Hallelujah. I'm warm. I don't know about y'all, but it's hot. It, it's hot. Okay. Uh, Jim, where's Jim? Or Daniel, somebody turn on the, can you crank down the air a couple of degrees? Thank you. I'm, woohoo. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit's running. Okay. Verse 1, chapter 2, you were once dead and are now alive. Verse 6, you're now seated with him in the heavenly realms. This is really important. We, we know that Paul said, I was taken, in the book, he says, I was taken to the third heaven. Whether I was in body or not, I don't know. But I saw things that cannot be uttered. That means he went to the third heaven where is the heavenly realms. There's no demons there. They've been kicked out, right? Revelation 12, we'll look at that in a minute. They were kicked out. That's the good news. The bad news is they came here on earth, right? A third of the angels that were in rebellion went with them. That's the demonic realms, I believe. So they're now in this place where in the heavenly realms, you're seated there. We don't operate in the second heaven. We operate from the third heaven authority. But most of us see ourselves in this first realm, which is the natural realm. We see the sky. Right? It was the created in Genesis. But that's not where your spiritual authority is, and you're not seated there. You may be here. I'm in two places. It's like, yipes, I'm here in body form, but spiritually, my role and my authority is seated there. Therefore, when I speak and represent the kingdom, I come from kingdom authority against these demonic levels, right? So once we understand that that's the picture that we have, we have, that, we have this peaceful agreement that all heaven is backing me in the will that you've called me to do in the Great Commission. All right, let's move on. Verse 12, uh, verse 10, it says, He uses the church to display His glory. Oh, no, I'm in the wrong chapter. Um, verse 10, chapter 2, You are His masterpiece. I covered this on Sunday. It says you're a masterpiece, His workmanship. That word in the Greek is poema, poemi, and it means a poem. You are God's poem. He's writing your story and his story together, right? And in a workmanship, it's beautiful. I showed the Mark, uh, Michelangelo thing on Pieta, right? Which there, and said, he took a single piece of marble and he chipped it. And over two years, of the, he made this beautiful picture of Mary and his, her son. But that was still a masterpiece in the marble state, the solid piece of marble. But the, the great master chiseler, culture, sculpture guy said, no, 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 I got a masterpiece. So that's why Philippians 1, 6, he who began the work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. He's chipping away at your stuff. If you just submit to the chisel and keep going, I don't understand everything, God, is a mystery. Yeah, mm-hmm. You just keep right on and the Lord will continue to work this masterpiece. Okay, chapter 3, verse 8 you are the endless treasures, the unsearchable riches that are in Christ. That is powerful language. Unsearchable, you can't find how endless these treasures are. Verse 10, he uses the church to display his wisdom. Verse 12, I love this. You can come boldly into his presence. 
confidently. Well, God, you don't know what I've done and how bad I am, and I did this, I thought that, and I said this word, and I got mad at the people in the car. Come right boldly, Lord, I repent of all that mess. Lord, I just come in boldly and confidently into, the, in, into that place of understanding who is. The veil's been torn. We come right in we, without fear of judgment because the blood of Jesus has already handled all of that, right? Verse 14, unlimited strength through His Spirit. Verse 20, mighty power that's at work within you to accomplish exceedingly and abundantly more than you never ask or even think about. That just blows my mind wide open. The wildest things that you can think about that be the most blessing is, no, you've not got enough yet. So that's where chapter 3, this is why it's such a powerful revelation of the kingdom. Chapter 4, now this is where he gets instructive. Verse 1, lead a life worthy of your calling. Lead a life. What does he tell us in verse 3? There needs to be unity in the body. Verse 7, use your gifts. How do you do your calling? Use your gifts. Verse 11, the fivefold ministry. That's what we're doing here. That's on the cover of that first handout. What are we doing here? To equip you to do the work of ministry, right? I shared on Sunday, we all have good works that God has already ordained before. Remember the honeydew list discussion? If you weren't here, God has a, a list of honeydews. When my wife gives me my honeydew list and I accomplish them because of her love language, which is acts of service, she loves me. So I like to do those honeydew lists, right? I get points, covers up some of my messes, right? And so God's got a honeydew list that only you can do. And he wants you to do them from the foundation of the world. And so, let's ask the Lord, okay, what is it? What is my gifting? Verse 17, live in the light. Verse 22, get rid of your sinful mess. Renew your mind. These are how you do this. Worthy of your calling, right? Verse 30, don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Don't grieve him. When you start to feel this, oh, you might ask the Lord, what is it that you're not pleased with right now? You know it. You feel that yuck, bad thought, angry, bitter, resentful, jealous, right? Maybe it's just me, but okay. Verse 31, get rid of all your bitterness, rage, anger, slander. Stop talking about people. Stop talking about the politicians, Pray for them. That was, I got convicted on that one. Um, okay, chapter 5, verse 1. Imitate God. Be followers. Verse 5. Immoral, greedy world worshipers will not inherit the kingdom. Hello? Okay. Then chapter 5 goes on. It says, be careful how you please God. Verse 10. Verse 15, don't get drunk or high. It'll ruin you, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're using alcohol or medication or drugs or food or idolatry or movies in place of Jesus, then that's called idolatry, and it's a dangerous trap. And so be careful there. He says, just be careful how you want to please God. That doesn't, don't let it, Guilt you, get free of it. Go to prayer ministry, get set free. 
Then he goes on in chapter 5, he says, wives and husbands, you ought to die for each other. At least he tells the husbands, hang on the cross for your wife and die like Christ died for the church. Yipes. Okay. Children and parents, it's how you love and respect one another. And then we just read, get armored up in chapter 6, fight, pray, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Okay. So that's chapter 6 of Ephesians, powerful book. The reason you want to read it and meditate on it is it because when you get that down in your spirit, when the rubber meets the road and you're facing a demon who says, I'm going to kill you. No, you're not. I have authority over you and you're going to behave and you're going to go to the dry places now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I realize when, that, when the drama happens, it can get exciting right? But there's something, once you get on the, over, on the other side of it, if, if you've witnessed that and the person gets free, man, right? How many have witnessed that? Amen? Right? Yeah. So, so let, me, let me go on with, in the example here of the invisible demonic realms that her name was Villanova, Clarita, Clarista Villanova, right? It's the Clarita Villanova is if you want to read this or you want to go and look on the newspaper articles, I can give you the dates of those. But it does a really good account. What were some of the takeaways? Those who were here last week, what are some of the takeaways from that experience that you either learned or thought about? Keep pressing in, which is what um, Summerall did, right? He was listening. You know, it's one of those circumstances where all of a sudden he's turning on the radio and he goes, the radio announcer says, if you're weak at heart, turn the radio off now. Now, he didn't listen. He wasn't trying to not. He, basically, there was an intersection of Holy Spirit. He turns it up. He listens. And God says to him, I want you to go there and deliver that young lady. Now it becomes an assignment. He said no twice, right? And then the Lord didn't speak to him anymore. He realized, oops, I better go, right? Okay, other takeaway. Yep, yep. And that's exactly what Mark 9 says, right? It says, you faithless and perverse generation. They didn't see themselves as deliverers, right? They saw themselves as weak against that. And once you've come into a, an authority understanding, so, okay, what else? What are the other some takeaways? Philip? There was the physical manifestations of the spiritual kingdom. Yeah, the physical is Now, they, this is what's wild. You had the head of the medical department, and the head of the prison and actually some of the priests that were all there like, they don't know what, they can't handle this. They don't know what to do. They either hadn't seen it before, but there were actual physical manifestations. You can't bite yourself on the neck, right? So when these biting demons, and she could see the demonic realm. So they would have probably, in, in a medical condition, they would probably put her in the psych ward and, and dumb her down, give her drugs to try to shut the soul down. But she is seeing those things, and there are physical manifestations that the head of the medical department in Manila says she can't do that. And he was in the room when it was physically biting her, and the blood is, it's like, man, I, I, I don't, I, he, he told, told Summerall, he goes, 
I'm 35 years of medicine. I've never seen anything like this, and I've got to tell you, I'm afraid. So what is, what is the response? There are three realms of power. What are they? Three realms of power. God, demonic, and human, right? And so, and all of them, so we know the God power is good, God is good, devil's bad. And then there's human choice, human willpower, humanism, right? Um, and so, and the human side can be influenced by either one in their free will of choice. And so, when you come up against a dark spirit, you can't fight that in the human power, right? And so, okay, what are some other takeaways? He, he was bold. Even though they said they're threatening and all this, they tried to intimidate. You're, you're not going to do this, right? And you, one of the things you know, when, when, when she walked by and she doesn't speak English, then the demon speaks in your language. That's always a giveaway. And it says, I don't like you, right? Ah, right? And so pressing in and being bold. And he sang and pled the blood of Jesus. Yeah, he, he, he had everybody, all the reporters and everybody, let's sing the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood, oh, the blood of just drives them nutty, right? And so, okay, let me jump to this. These are some of the takeaways. Why am I covering this? And it's such a good case study because you will see this pattern if you, when you read my book, there's multiple occasions in there, you'll see the pattern of their, their strategy for war, the devil's strategy for war, and what the strategy of the believer is to set the person free. So here, let me just, I just noted a few. One, she was not a believer, right? And she was in jail because she was a prostitute, had broken the law, so she had open doors. We don't know how the extent of that, she might have been, we know from her, a little bit about her article when she was interviewed, that she had a broken childhood, lots of stuff, family died, she's raised probably on the street. Anyway, the door is open and the demonic realm is looking for a place to land. You've got open doors, Obviously, the alcoholic, the one who's hooked on pornography, the liar, the thief, they, they don't sit down the first time and say, I can't wait to get demonized, right? But you start opening that door, and you start to play in that, in that field, and all of a sudden, those entities are looking for a host to land on. They, because of it, you get that out of Matthew 12. We'll, we'll see, maybe look at that a little later. They want to be either in an animal or they want to be in a human. And so, they are looking for a... A, a body to be in, right? And so, until that, until they're cast out, whoops, question. Um, do you remember how many times our prisoners at two years old went down and they have to get cut up Yes. So they find other places. They mess with you. They can, yeah, they can mess with things. They, they do. Principality of the power of the air, right? Okay. So, here, she was not a believer. Um, she didn't know how to resist the devil, right? He taught her how to do that, right? Um, the church and the medical leaders, they didn't have any answers. The injuries were real. Um, careful how I say this. You can have physical manifestations show up on a person that you would think that they're either psychotic and they're not, okay? I'll just, I'll just leave it there, okay? Um, Fasting and prayer was added to the preparation, just like in Mark chapter 9. Summerall went home that night because he didn't finish the deliverance, right? He got a lot of authority over and shut down. The, they were not able to bite her. They still were threatening her, but he knew she was not delivered. And so, fasting and prayer. And then he has two buddies who are Christians because when we do deliverance, I don't like non-believers in the room. In fact, 
If you've ever, I think I spoke briefly about, I got all these lovely things up. Here we go. In the exorcism of Emily Rose, this is a true story dramatized of the Catholic priest that was brought up on second degree murder charges in the exorcism of her. And she eventually, she, I think she had 70 exorcisms. And every time, what happens in Matthew 12? If you don't use the right authority in Matthew 12, seven worse will come on you. Praying to Mary and other, no, it's Jesus, okay? We, we honor our brothers and sisters. I came out of that, but honestly, in the book, right? When you're, de- when you're dealing Jesus, it was his name and his name only, right? And so we want to make sure that we follow what is in the book, right? And so we see here that fasting and prayer helped, and he brought in two other pastors who were believers, and they joined in with him. That's why when we do deliverance, there's at least two believers, one of the same gender to the person you're ministering to, right? Okay. Fear is always the enemy tactic, they, they manifest, they, they tell you, or they try to distract you. Had one recently, uh, spirit of infirmity. The pain level shot up. And why? To get us distracted off, the pain level of infirmity was to distract us from the purpose. So that person, the, the, the host is in, oh! Okay, that's a, that's a spirit of infirmity. Shut that down in Jesus' name. It's amazing how, boom. So you're not going to operate here. And then back on track. They, so they'll throw up a smoke screen, tell you a lie, threaten you, manifest, foam at the mouth, roll their eyeballs back, whatever, all these kind of crazy things. And so that's their tactic, but they have no power. Now they, well, let me say that they have power, but you have greater power. And so we'll look later when we're doing deliverances, there will be times if you don't bind the strong man, we learned this the hard way, if you don't bind the strong man early on and continue to work on that, you will have greater and greater drama. So, for example, we used to see a, a person will manifest in the church. We would then bring and go right in. Let's go after that. Not a good tactic because one is the person willing to engage. Two, are they the children's bread? Right? Are they believers? Right? We covered this last week. And. If they don't want to be free or they're not willing to close their doors, then we don't really want to do ministry. You're going to make it worse for them, right? And so, so we see this, that in the process of shutting down and tying up the strong man in Matthew 12, forgiveness and confession. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven, Matthew said, right? Jesus said in Matthew, if you refuse to forgive. So when we forgive and we confess, especially the ones who have hurt and wounded you the greatest, rapes, murders, violence, abuse, right? Those who have wounded you the most, if you can get to a place and model what Jesus did, said, I forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. I may not want to, but I will to. That ties a rope up against anger, resentment, bitterness. And the more we build upon forgiveness and confession, the weaker and weaker and weaker they get. Couldn't speak. Yep. Right? Yep. You'll read one in my book also that uh, Anna Paula went, she went catatonic and she could not speak. And Clarissa, who was our great translator, uh, who had done that for years in Brazil, she goes, I don't know what to do. I said, either do I. Let's ask, who knows? Jesus. Matthew, what does he say in Philippians, uh, James 1, 6. If you lack wisdom, ask the Lord, God, what do we do? I don't, she came here, she's, she's confessed Christ, but now she's, we can't even talk to her. She can't forgive, she can't confess. Hand-to-hand combat. 
can you translate that for me, Lord? I don't know what that means. Start speaking in tongues real close. Oh, okay. All of us came around. We started speaking. And then I don't know how long all of a sudden it's like the demon speaks in perfect English. She only speaks Portuguese. It's getting really hot in here. Oh, good. We're burning that sucker out. Come on now. And then she, I'm leaving. It's like, I like that. God, that's, you're really smart. You know, anyway, and so, okay, moving right along. Um, intimidation and lies. Authority is only in Jesus. This is wild. I told you that at the end of this one, he was, she was a believer and taught how to resist. When they came back to try to take territory back again, she was now trained and equipped to say, no, you're not, you're not doing it. And a fight started. They couldn't bite her anymore. And what happened is she pried black hair in her hand, which the medical examiner took, and it's not human. Wow. Read the article. So it's like the medical... I believe, I believe, I believe it's a supernatural world, right? It's a great example of, um, we, we filmed several in Brazil, and all the film was overexposed. Anyway, the Lord either didn't want us to know, I don't know. But anyway, there you go. This is a good one. Okay, moving right on. Okay, um, let's, let's do this now. In Deuteronomy 30, let's talk about, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and let's look at verse 15 for a minute. I want you to see this, this goes down the pathway of purity, preparation. In Deuteronomy 30, because you don't want to go to war in a place where the enemy is able to, uh, exp- uh, well, basically take a shot at where you're weak, right? And so, in Deuteronomy, it says, verse 15, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. That's pretty strong language, right? You have a choice. You can live or you can die, and you can be prosperous or you can have a disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep His commands, His decrees, and the regulations by walking in His ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, unfortunately that was their pattern, right? They'd be blessed and then they'd fall away, blessed and fall away. And he'd raise up another generation and have a a godly person like Josiah rise up or Hezekiah and then the next generation, boom, right? That's why he warns us when you become rich, be careful that you don't forget your God. That's what's happened here in the United States, I'm afraid, when 25% of the nation doesn't believe in anything. Okay, back to the track here. Let's see. I warn you that you will certainly be destroyed, verse 18. You will not live long. You will not have a good life in the land and you'll, when you cross the Jordan to occupy. Verse 19, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings, and now the word is different, curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving God, your Lord, your God, obey Him, committing yourself 
firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want you to see that open doors, when we talk later, when we get into, well, how did this curse come upon this family? We know from Exodus 20, verse 5. Let's turn there for a minute. Turn back to the right in your sword and go to Exodus 20, verse 5. That's the Ten Commandments. I'm sorry, to the left, the other left. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, Exodus 20, verse 5. It says, and you know the Ten Commandments are listed here. It says, we know that we're supposed to honor father and mother. He's a jealous God. Let's pick up on uh, verse 5. You must not bow down and worship these idols. I, the Lord, am a God of jealous who does not tolerate your affection for other gods. That's little g. Those are things that you love more than you love him. That's why it could be food. It could be money. It could be your job. It could be a relationship. It could be a child. Remember he said, if you love me more than them, you're not worthy of being mine. It's like, yeah, yipes, God. That's powerful. Uh, I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even the children to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love on a thousand generations, those who love me and obey my commands. So I always say this when what love does to a thousand, you know, evil and, and rebe rebellion does to three generations. But when we look at a family tree and you see uh, immorality, um, perversion, lawlessness, and that family tree is loaded with that stuff, there are curses and doors that have been visited due to the rebellion of an ancestor. 300 years ago, I don't know what my grandparents were doing, but I can tell you what our family sins are. And so it has a right, the devil has a right to bait the hook to visit you doesn't mean you have to take it. In my family line, alcoholism and drug addiction was a problem. But I got to a place where I made a vow. When I saw what that did and the destruction, I don't drink and I've never done an illegal drug. Why? Because I'm, I refuse to pay a penny for that, and I know the destruction and the pain it brought me as a little boy crying under the sheets at times. Yes, yes. That's not allowed. So I'm not going there. So what? It doesn't visit me but it did visit some of my other ancestors, right? So you could ask the Lord in, in, the, in your prayer ministry, the one you go is, what is it that's in my generational tree? That's stuff that you have a right, that God is just looking for the man of woman of peace to stand and say, no more. I'm going to come under the thousand generations because now I declare that I love you. In front of these witnesses, I declare all those generational sins and their power to visit are broken in the name of Jesus. When that happens, there's times when all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what just happened? You feel it just lift off, right? And so we know that God is able, and it's so clear. His word is like, yeah, we just got to get it there, right? Okay. Turn with me, let's, um, so this is a choice. I want you to see, when we make the wrong choices, rebellion is in, right? 1 Samuel 15 says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So when you rebel against what God says, not only is it not good for you, you open a door that can come and visit to the generations that aren't even alive yet you're representing. That's serious stuff. Okay, turn with me to Revelation, we'll go to the other way, now we'll go to the right, Revelation 12. This is the war. Remember we said this life is about love and war. It's about a, a God who loved us and gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life, right? 
right? That, that's what he said. He, he, he modeled this. God is love, right? Then he goes, you're going to be known by your love. This is all about love story, right? That was a movie once, right? Some of you aren't even old enough to remember that, but all right, that was a good one. I remember crying in that one. Okay, the, the war. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 12. Now, we know that there was a war in heaven. Look at verse 7. There was a war in heaven. I mentioned this. Michael and the angels fought against the dragon. The dragon lost the battle. He was cast down, forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the devil, Satan, and his angels were cast down, thrown down to earth. And power has come at last. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. That ought to just do something to you, right? For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, and one who accused us day and night, and they defeated him. They have defeated him. They have, not Jesus, they have defeated him, right? By the blood of the Lamb and the word that we now testify. And they did not even love their lives unto death. You talk about a love relationship? You're going to kill the body, but I will never reject my Jesus, ever, right? That's, that love relationship is so cemented that we know who we are and we know what we believe, right? Then it goes on, but terror has come to the earth, verse 12. Terror has come down. The devil is in great anger because he knows he only has a little bit of time. So what does he do? He pursues the offspring of the woman. Those who could cared, and so look at verse 17. This is the war zone. Then the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. Who are they? Those who keep God's commandments and they maintain their testimony of Jesus. See, when you walk away from Jesus or you never knew him, the devil, yeah, he may destroy you, right? He doesn't care about that. But he's really, you're not the real target. The world's already got you, and you're in sin and rebellion. You're already headed off the cliff. So he doesn't waste his forces on that. He goes after those who have the greatest power and influence. And so, right, you've heard that target, right? You only see the flak over the, those who, when you get over the target, you start seeing flak, right? The enemy doesn't protect targets that are not worth, worth anything. So, when we see that, we know that when you're in warfare, you ought to expect some flak. And we sometimes, oh God, the devil's got me. Stop. You have been given power and authority. Stop whining and stop wimping. Get up. Put on your armor and let's go. Because why? What did he say? He goes, those who keep the commandments and maintain their testimony. You can lose your testimony in Jesus. Yeah. Scary. But I've seen it and it's scary. That ought to make us all think, be careful if you don't think you can fall. Be careful. What did he tell us? Paul told us in Corinthians. Be careful that you don't think you can fall. You can fall. And when you pull people, snatch them. Jude says, out of the fire, make sure you don't get messed up in their sin. Seen that too. It's bad. Okay. So we know we're in a war. That's the war story. We're in love and love wins. So let me ask you this. What is the difference between demons and believers? I like that. Do you know that both demons and believers believe in Jesus? Hello? They know he's the son of God. 
Now, most humans may not know that, but once we come to realize it, believers, he's the son of God. Demons, yeah, he's the son of God, and I only got a little time, so let me wreak havoc as best I know how. That's what the devil says he's going to do, right? That's why he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So what's the difference? The difference is love and action. The devil doesn't love, and he doesn't do good things. That's why the Sermon Sunday was good works is part of your plan that God gave you from the foundation in Ephesians chapter 2. He gave you works to do. So what's the difference between demons and believers? Well, they both believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The difference is love and love story that are done by the believers. Once we come to this, again, I just put it, try to, for me, simple terms, I, I, simple guy, just, we got to go to war, get, get your stuff on, and the devil does not, as long as I'm in his will, and I'm keeping the doors closed, and I'm on this assignment, I got heaven back in me, right? And we are not afraid. We may not know the answers, but we know the one who does, right? Okay. Because when you get the word of God, he'll give you the strategy and the timing along with it. If you get those out of order, you can get messed up right? Use the example of Abraham. You're going to be a father of many nations. Great. 25 years later, he's not a father of anything. So his handmaiden looks pretty good, and his wife's, hey, have Hagar, right? There's no question he even asked God about that. It's just like, oh. anyway, so Ishmael's born, and we, we still got that going on, right? And so he got the word of God, but he didn't go back and ask, well, the God, you got another plan because this is not working right now, right? No, 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 I'll just take matters into my own hands, right? And he does, and what happens? So what was the strategy and what was the timing? It matters. You can get a word. You get a prophetic word. We're going to deal with this in prophecy. Get a prophetic word. I got to sell everything I got because God just told me. That may be 20-something years from now. Get yourself in line with Jesus before you step out too far. Okay, all right. Um, let's take a look at Luke 10. This is, we're, we're building on the authority here, all right? In Luke chapter 10, this is a familiar scripture if you've been around this house, right? One, I want you to see in the prior chapter, he sends out, in chapter 9 of Luke, he sends out the 12. And they come back and they got some mission testimonies. They're arguing in Luke 9, some really ugly stuff. Um, they want to know who's the greatest. They think, you know, I can see Paul and John. You know, verse 46 of 9, I'm the greatest. Do you know what I did, right? Then, they, then is the exclusivity. In verse 49, we see that um, they... The, the report comes back, there's other people that are not with us, Jesus, that are using your name. We told them to stop. He goes, no, don't do that. And then he says, well, the Samaritans, they're not, they're not receiving the message, right? In verse 51, you want us to call fire down on and destroy that whole crowd. So now you've got a murdering spirit, a prideful, arrogant spirit. So you've got the disciples, they're a mess, right? I would have put them back in training, so what does Jesus do? No, in chapter 10, he picks 72 that have even less training, and he sends them out on the mission field. And he says, go out there, and he chooses 72. Verse 1, chapter 10, 1. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Yipes, what an assignment that is. Here, but here's your assignment, verse 8. Heal the sick. Tell them the kingdom is near. 
If a town accepts you, great. If not, shake off the dust. Anyone who accepts the message. The 72 comes back from their mission trip, right? And what's the first thing that it's not, wow, you wouldn't believe the offerings we took up. It was awesome. Oh, man, I stayed in this really nice house. It was really great there. No, the first thing it says, do you know, Jesus, that even the demons are subject to us when we use your name? And Jesus does an amazing teaching. He goes, yes, I saw Satan falling from the sky in heaven on lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among the snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice that evil spirits listen because your names are registered in heaven. He says, look, the most important thing is you're a citizen. Your identity's in Christ. So don't get too wound up about demon power, okay? That happens. I can tell you, the first time you kick demon, it was like, man, we're bad. We are just bad. Man, I got Jesus. And then he realized, calm down. You're a citizen of heaven. Yeah, yes, Lord. But it's still awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so he says, you're registered to celebrate there. But then verse 21, Jesus says, he turns to the Father, and he says he got filled with the joy. I don't know how Jesus got filled with joy, what that looks like. But he says, oh, Father, thank you. Filled with joy and the Holy Spirit, you've told these things to the simple and given them power. Here's the point. We're, they're doing ground-level warfare. They're walking into places, and they're doing ground-level warfare. That's dealing with demons on the ground level at this level, right? first heaven. And Jesus says, I see that. When you go in and there's 72, probably they're sent out two by two, so you got what, 30 some odd teams, they're out, and those demons are being sent out, they're being cast away, and the Satan's kingdom, he see, Jesus sees this, the kingdom of Satan's flashing lightning and it's falling. He's losing power structure. That's principalities and powers of darkness that you're dealing at a ground level warfare. But there's another level of warfare. There's two levels of warfare, at least two. One is ground level, demons. Person manifests rejection, anger, fear, immorality, and they're manifesting, and they get set free through forgiveness and confession. Awesome. Their life turns around. But principalities and powers of darkness in high places are principalities. That's what's an example there in Daniel's gospel, right? Where it says, Michael is fighting over the prince of Persia. The, the angel talks to Daniel and says, I've got to return to the fight because they're engaged in a, in a spiritual war, principalities over the demon powers over your nation, right? Which is the prince of Persia, Iran. And so there's these, there are principalities and powers. What is it over the United States? Well, that demon power has been getting higher. Perversion, immorality, abortion, murder. We have given authorization and made choices that authorize the destruction of our children and the judgment of God to come unless this changes. And so we got to ask us, okay, Lord, you promised if we would do what you said, right? They also said, I love what was on Sid Roth last night, if my people who are called by my name, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll bring healing to the land. You don't want a coronavirus? I pray that, it, that the president does what, what uh, this rabbi suggested. Let's go into a, I would love to see the president. He's going to be on at 9 o'clock tonight, right? I'd love to have him come out and declare a national day of prayer against, 
Come on, let's just do this thing, right? Lord, you could speak to them in the name of Jesus. A national day of prayer where the believers, it's the, these are not the heathens. If my people, my people, right? And he represents, he's been doing a lot of good things in that area. So I pray that he's got some counselors that are right there. Guys from Bethel, I know, anyway. So hallelujah. Okay, so you're going to be sent out and you've been given authority. So principalities and powers, you do not want, this is my suggestion, you don't want to engage a principality by yourself. Not a wise thing. This is interesting to hear. One of them is oh, Needless Casualties of War, John Paul Jackson's book. Um, he, he goes, so what do we do? On, on Wednesdays when we do our intercessory, we have 22 to 28 intercessors. We were there today. Bill Green led communion for us. We gather as a regular basis, and we come together as a group, and we said, Lord, this is your hour and a half. We're going to take communion. We're going to try to hear from you that we might pray what you want us to pray. Now, we've been diligent since August. Mary Esther had, a, had a, a revelation, and we took 12 modules, and we've been praying. Right now, we're praying against perversion, immorality. We're looking at honor, respect, and we've been praying into those. And there's some, there's some wild stuff that's been uncovered. When we went after the one on sex trafficking, uh, the Weinberg thing came down, uh, Epstein thing came down. Like, that's just interesting coincidence things. And so, anyway... But we come together as a group and we engage against principalities and powers in those regions, right? And then we sometimes go out. When we did the module on witchcraft during November, during the Halloween time, right? We went out and we drove to these places where you have New Age stuff, where all the, the Reiki and all this stuff that's going on in New Age, I'm surprised at how many places we found in all these little strip malls and everything. People that are engaged that have no idea what they're involved in. This Reiki stuff, it's, it's Hindu gods and what it's going, when they, put in the, the, when they do the chakras on the, man, you are opening yourself up to all sorts of stuff. And so anyway, research that. Then we got, you know, groups that are coming in to Port City that come in, they want to do their music and all, they are standing here and they got a band group that's doing tarot cards and all sorts of medium psychic junk. These are things that are available and they're coming in darkness. And unless we understand what that's all about, turn with me to Deuteronomy 18.10. What did God say about that? Deuteronomy 18.10. Now, if I'm hitting, if the Holy Spirit's hitting on something, oh my gosh, I've done that. Well, good, repent. Yeah. Repent, right? Ask the Lord to show you what that is. But Deuteronomy 18.10. Let's begin in verse 9. Deuteronomy 18, 9. When you enter the, the land that the Lord your God is giving you, speaking to Israel, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of those nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter to a burnt offering. That's the spirit of Molech, killing children, which we do, we now call it choice. All right? And do not let your people practice fortune-telling use of sorcery, interpret omens, engage in witchcraft, cast spells, like Harry Potter's teaching our children, function as mediums or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Yipes. It is because other nations have done these things, the Lord God will drive them out ahead of you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you're about to displace consult sorcerers, fortune tellers, and the Lord God forbids you to do such things. So he tells us to warn you people. Now, dabbling, how many people have told Ouija boards this, seance that, studied these? Okay. 
Repent. <laughs> I see that, Lord, and if it's got a stronghold on you, go to prayer ministry, and we'll ask the Lord to deal with that. Okay. Hallelujah. Um, we know that this love story is what God wants. So we're going we're gonna to round this up. So next week, here's what we're going to do. If you would please read the book of Philippians. If you haven't read Ephesians, do that. I know this is homework, but it's a, it's a good time. Being in the Word of God is full of living power. And so read the book of Ephesians, but then read the Philippians. And <clears throat> I want to take the last couple of minutes, and I asked Mary Esther if she would share in Ephesians. Doug, since we didn't get to the salvation model, we'll probably do it next week, okay? Um, but Mary Esther, if you would come and share, I think it's out of the Passion Bible, that Ephesians, or is it your book on the Holy Spirit fire? Um, I think you said the revelation out of Ephesians. Maybe it was, yeah. This is from the Passion Bible, and it says, I will never doubt God's mighty power to work in me and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than my greatest request, my most unbelievable dream, and exceed my wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes me. And I just felt like that was a word. I know it was for me, but for other people as well, not to give up and doubt because a lot of times right when you think that it just can't happen, then you just keep pressing in and he just answers your prayer so amazingly. Karen, you want to follow that? Was that right? I don't want to embarrass you, but you want to give your testimony about your son? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was pretty wound up this morning. Yeah, I was wound up because I went to see my son who recently got saved and um, I went to put on my pajamas because we were just going to relax. And I come out, and he is blasting praise and worship music, singing to the Lord and the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, you know, the power in Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. I, about went, I mean, Jesus is so, wow. that that's just... How many yeah. years were you standing in there for him? Over 15. Yeah. So that perseverance, you know, having a, having a praying mama really matters, right? Yeah. Thank you. So we just, uh, that's an encouragement. Even those that may be listening by live stream, stay in the fight. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And the things you don't understand, there's mysteries. We, we can't answer a whole bunch of stuff. But I believe there's a great reward to those. I can't figure this part out, Lord. But it doesn't matter. You're still God, and you're good, even though I can't put my arm around it. That Deuteronomy is what you showed me when I told you about my sister. Yeah. That was before she was a believer. She was inviting the tarot cards and the tarot cards yeah. to the house. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. They, they wouldn't invite Pat. She's the believer. And, you know, not that Pat's opinionated or anything, but that, oh, I'm being sarcastic and I can't do that. I can't do that. Bad, bad, Pastor. Darn. I re for those who don't know, I repented for not being. Man. I'm sorry. I apologize, Pat. And so, 
Pat was not invited to the family party, birthday parties, because she would bring all the Jesus stuff in. And they knew if they had the medium and the psychic at the party, she was going to throw a fit, and I'm not having it, right? And so they didn't invite her. So Pat goes, oh, my God, they didn't want to invite me. I said, that's awesome, Pat, because they're now getting it, that you're, you're a light shining in that dark place. And now our whole family's saved. Praise God. And, and so, all right. Next week, we're going to really, we're going to do, if you're, I'll give you a warning, right? This says covers mature audiences, whatever. Um, we're going to show the John Ramirez 37-minute film, okay? And it's about, he's going to give a testimony how strategically Satanists go after Christians, how they try to destroy churches. And the reason I wanted to get a couple of weeks into this is this, again, it's not for the weak at heart. Weak at heart. We need to know who the enemy is. We need to know our purpose. That's why I've tried to hit it hard enough. What is your identity and what is your authority and assurance? You are greatly loved and you're a warrior. Whether you feel like it or not, it's the way it is. And whether you like being in a war or not, you're in war. <laughs> and so, so we're at this place where um, we need to understand who we are. Now, when it's not all about demons. Love is, remember, it's love and war, right? But you can't do the love without the war because you're required to love and go rescue those who are in the dark places. And so you can't do that. You can't be foolish for a pastor to send you out to war without a weapon and not understanding your skill set. You don't take a green troop and you never shot an AR-15. You don't know what to do with it. You don't know what the sequence is. You don't know what a line of fire is. You know, that's just nuts. So we have to prepare equip the saints to do the work of ministry because if we're listening to what lots of the prophetic words are there's about to be a world revival that when they start coming the sick and the broken and the demonized start coming you're the army that's going to handle it it's not going to be me and pastor terry right We'll be encouraging, but it's okay. So, so getting equipped is really important. So we're going to look at this armed and dangerous next week. And then you're going to read what? What are you going to read? Philippians. Philippians and Ephesians. And read through the salvation model, which is, is uh, module five. Now, the first part will be, um, we're gonna, I'm going to have Doug kind of give an example next week. Doug is one of these, he, he's got an evangelist heart, Right? And, well, Doug, why don't you give a quick testimony of what happened today on your way to prayer? Just, you know, don't uncover anything that, but just give a quick testimony, and we'll close there. Yeah, I was, I was, oh, excuse me, I was headed to uh, church today this morning for intercessory prayer, and as I'm turning right to come to the church, I noticed this person to my left, and uh, it's a person that I'd been witnessing to for a couple of years, and so I, I went ahead and turned right anyway, and as soon as I did, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to turn around and go back. So I made a U-turn and went back and went to this person and uh, just started talking, talking to him a little bit, and knowing that... Uh, that they were in prostitution. And um, I, do you want me to go ahead and tell them the whole story? Or? So, um, more or less, um, 
I have tracks that I pass out, so I handed them a track, and I told them, I said, this changed my life, and it talks about salvation. And so um, I told them that I knew that, uh, that they had demons in them, and so um, I told them that um, I, couldn't, I couldn't rebuke these demons out of them until they became saved and for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of them. So I lead them to Christ. Um, so what I told them was uh, to repeat after me, and what I said was, Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day. And I believe that you sit at the right hand of the throne of God today. And then I told him, I said, now repeat after me again. I said, Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And that from this day forward, whatever I talk about, whatever I listen to, whatever I look at, whatever I do, I will glorify the Lord in everything. And then I was able to rebuke these demons out. I was rebuking the demon of addiction out, the rebu rebuking the demon of lust, rebuking the demon of loneliness, rebuking the demon of anger, and many other demons. And I cast them out of them. And I commanded them to go back to the dry places where they belong. And I told them not to go into another person, to jump on another person, to go into another thing, or to jump on another thing, but for them to go back to the dry places in the name of Jesus from Nazareth right now. And immediately her her their eyes started changing. You could see that these demons were coming out. And when they did, their eyes just, it was like light was started shining through them. And I wonder. A couple of... Uh, teaching points that Doug prayed, Lord, give me divine appointments today. Yes. Driving to church, well, I might be a little bit late. I got an assignment, right? Been witnessing in the past. Remember when um, John and, and Peter are going to the gate beautiful, right? And the man who's crippled, and it says, Jesus had walked by them, this guy probably, because he'd been there for many years, but it wasn't the assignment for Jesus to do it. It was Doug's assignment today. It was his list of things to do today. And he was willing to be inconvenienced, to take a risk, turn around, listen to the Holy Spirit, get in that place, faith spelled right, R-I-S-K, and witness. And so we'll see what the fruit is of that. But there was a choice, and it was a willing choice. That There was a relationship that had been built at House of Mercy through several times. So it was... And what did Jesus, um, what did Peter and John say? It says, seeing that his time at Gate Beautiful, ha having faith at that moment, it, it seized the moment, seized the opportunity, 
So these are assignments that would be really good for all of us. Wake up in the morning. What do you have in plan for me today? I know I'm going to work, I'm going to school, I'm going whatever, but what's your assignment for me today? When we start behaving like that and actively listening to that, man, your whole day is just different. It's just great. It's like, wow, well, that's a little scary. Yeah, but it's not boring. Kingdom is not boring. And so let's stand and we'll be dismissed tonight. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I know we've covered a lot of ground here tonight, but Lord, I pray that you would release the revelation of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, that the exceedingly great abundant things that you have, Lord, as we're, we're planting seeds of authority and faith and assurance and perseverance, that we're building a, a, a structure of, of a team that is special forces, that knows who they are, knows the skills of who they are, that are willing to bring the love story to those that are hurting and broken. God, I ask that you do it in our own families and do it among us. Continue to reveal in us the things that may not be pleasing to you. Right? Didn't David say, show me, Lord, if there be anything in me that is not pleasing to you. That's the willing dad that's, you know, when a child says, Daddy, tell me how to please you. Okay. You don't have to go to the woodshed. Praise God. So, Lord, I pray blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen? All right. Thank you all. Thank <laughs> you.